This morning we are going to the promised land. We are continuing with that uh, series uh, which uh, Andy kicked off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and obviously we're pretty familiar with the start of the story uh, of, uh, of Exodus where we see Moses uh, and he sees his people suffering and with God's help uh, he delivers the Israelites from the oppressive rule of the Egyptian pharaoh where they and their families were kept for slave labour. We know uh, the story of all the plagues that God sent on Egypt, uh, the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea, and how that Red Sea came crashing down on the pursuing Egyptian army. The story at this point is like really building in momentum, isn't it? Uh, and then what happens? We find the entire nation of Israel spends 40 years camped in a desert waiting for God to lead them into the Promised Land. And there are definitely lessons uh, here for us to learn uh, as we kind of find ourselves also on pause at the moment. Uh, so. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get in there. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about camping. Um, obviously, we've set up the studio with a little bit of a, of a camping theme, uh, but I love it. I love being outside. I love the, uh, being away from the distractions uh, of everyday life. Um, but don't get me wrong, I completely understand that the level of detailed planning that has to go into uh, a trip before uh, going, otherwise you can't enjoy it. Um, it is awful arriving at your destination and realizing that you've forgotten something that you need and then trying to work out if you can make do without it or where on earth you can find a replacement. Uh, I'm sure people have uh, got their own stories of going without uh, certain stuff that they definitely thought they packed. Um, so generally speaking, as in all of us, when we go away, we tend to make sure that we have everything we need for the trip. Uh, and we probably take a bit extra. We like to provide for ourselves. So today, we pick up the Exodus story one month after the Red Sea crossing. And we find the Israelites are camped in the desert of Sin, which is named because of its proximity to Mount Sinai, not because it's a bad place, although I don't fancy being camped in the desert particularly. Uh, and we find that they've run out of supplies and they begin to complain about Moses and Aaron and they're blaming them for bringing them out of Egypt. Uh, you could say that they've gotten a bit hangry. Uh, 16 verse 3 says, uh, actually, do one of you guys want to read that? I don't know if you guys are muted at the moment. Go for it. No, do you fancy reading that? Okay. Uh, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Absolutely, thank you. Guys, do you ever get hangry? Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> I get quite hangry. I have to always have a snack on me or something. Um, my friends have kind of learnt how to get around it, so. Yeah. Oh dear, how about you, Noah? Do you get hangry? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I do, actually. Of course, that'll, you have to ask Sarah about that. Yeah, I was going to say, I is, that, is that true? I, just I, I don't think he does get that hangry compared to some of us. No, he's quite chill. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, well, that's good. I imagine that most of the time for you guys and for any of the rest of us who get hangry, uh, which is being bad-tempered or irritable uh, at a, as a result of missing a meal or being hungry, uh, that's kind of like the official definition. It is a real word now. Uh, but I imagine that most of the time we're probably actually able to make something for ourselves uh, and that in truth, dinner's not really that far away. Uh, but when we talk about the Israelites, there really was no food. They've been camping for a month in the middle of the desert. And the Bible tells us that the Israelites got hangry. They began to moan and complain without thinking for a minute, we've just seen God do some pretty amazing things. Maybe he can rustle up some food for us. Uh, and I, like we said, this is just a month ago. They were crossing the Red Sea. They had just lived through like some of the most blatant acts of power uh, that we read about God doing. And they don't think to ask him to, to help out. They start grumbling and complaining that they'd been brought here to die. But fortunately for them, God could see what was happening and he hadn't brought them there to starve to death. Uh, and he knew that they'd gonna run out of food, but he spoke with Moses and arranged for some heavenly food deliveries. And he even ho heard the moan about the missing meat. And in his goodness, he covered this too. 
and we read about God's provision uh, in 16 verses 12 to 15. Do one of you guys want to tackle that as well? Go on then. Um, I've heard the Israelites' complaints, now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp, and the next morning the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? they asked each other. They had no idea what, is, what it was, and Moses told them, it is the f- food the Lord has given you to eat. Excellent. Thank you very much, and uh, great reading. Uh, so you can see that the Lord, not only, we always remember the manna bit, uh, where there's you know, this heavenly food on the, uh, on the, food, on the floor as, um, as the dew evaporates. We don't even really remember that there's a whole flock of quail descend on the camp every evening, uh, which I think is just amazing. And that's uh, obviously where we got our little segue into uh, some quail breakfast. Um, and if anybody's noticed the little drawings and pictures, uh, during youth over the last couple of weeks, we were doing some comic strips to help us uh, just study the story. And so these are some excerpts from those comic strips. Uh, my, yeah, this one's yours actually, Sarah, wasn't it? Yeah, this one's mine. Yeah, um. nice. Good stuff. Uh, so manna actually means, what is it? So like we said, God already knew where they were going, uh, and he knew that they couldn't possibly make it there without him. His desire during this time was for the Israelites to learn to put him first, looking to God for provision and direction and not to their own planning. Remember I said when we go away, we tend to want to plan and provide for ourselves. Well, during this time, God was, was really seeking to bring the Israelites closer to him so they weren't relying on their planning, but they were relying on him. And I think the start of this passage uh, is quite telling, where he says, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now, in other places in the Bible, we read that God sees the struggle of his people or that he hears the cry of the poor. But here, you can almost hear the exacerbated tones of a father who's just unimpressed that instead of hearing his people ask for his help, he's hearing them complaining about the situation, blaming Moses for it, uh, and you know, even going as far as to say that life as slaves in Egypt was better than, effectively, better than following God uh, and doing what he wants. Now, of course, part of following God and is hearing him and being obedient to his instructions. And for the Israelites, we read in verse 4, that God tested their willingness uh, to follow his instructions uh, around how much food to take. Uh, and they were only supposed to take enough food for the day. Uh, and if they didn't follow this, that we also read in verse 19 and 20, that by the next morning it would be full of maggots. Uh, so clearly God was able to provide more food than the people needed because if they were tempted to take extra uh, and store it up for themselves, trying to become self-sufficient, then it would go mouldy and be full of maggots in the morning. So we need to remember that God is trying to teach them during this time to rely on him first and foremost. In trying to take more than they needed, uh, they were actually putting up a barrier between them and God. Now the Israelites couldn't provide for themselves uh, in their situation and they obviously had to rely daily on God. So when we extrapolate and take it up to us, how much now do we, without even realising it, uh, rely on our own abilities, on our jobs and our situations uh, to provide for ourselves? In a way, taking God out of our equations, uh, reducing our need uh, for his provision to trivial things like parking spaces and where are my lost keys. Uh, and obviously, like, God wants to be involved in everything. He doesn't mind us asking of those things. But they're a bit trivial when, when he's seeking to give us this day our daily bread. Um, and obviously, occasionally, we do throw in a kind of, God, can you heal the sick person? But 
how often are we reducing how much we're relying on him? And I think the lesson that God was teaching the Israelites is still important to us. The more comfortable and self-sufficient our routine becomes, perhaps the harder it is to connect to God and rely on him. I wonder if sometimes we're too surrounded by our own distractions to see what God is doing. Now, let's get a little bit interactive uh, to help unpack this idea of being a bit distracted uh, or being a bit too busy to see where God is at work. So with the youth, I have put together a, a little list of some of the things that we get up to in an average week that take up a decent chunk of our time. Uh, and feel free to send us some suggestions uh, and we can add them to the list uh, if, they are, if they appear magically in time. But Seren, you'll notice we've got a little, uh, a little board. There she is, my glamorous assistant. Your dungarees are looking excellent, by the way. Um, you're going to write down some things that we came up with as young people that we spend lots of our time on. Um, so in an average day, we've got stuff like that. Uh, lots of time on TV and Netflix. That came up quite a lot. You watching any TV series at the moment? Um, I've just finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was quite just good. Just finished so. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., good stuff. Uh, Noah, you've got to be guilty of spending a lot of time playing PlayStation, right? Uh, a lot would be an understatement, I'd <laughs> say. <laughs> a lot um, would be an understatement. Um, what else do we get up to? Saren, what do you spend a lot of your time doing? Sleeping. 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 Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Sleeping is definitely a big time take. Um, we had scrolling through our phone. Yeah. So you just put scrolling, if you like. Um, obviously it's a bit weird at the moment because you don't leave to go there but school or, yeah. or work if you're not a school person uh, obviously we've got things like uh, church activities we can we can stick them in there we spend some time doing that what have we got, we got any, other, any other things we're on the list now uh, we had you know just church things yep yeah. church stuff's on there uh, cooking and eating oh yeah. yeah cooking and eating I'm spending quite a lot of time cooking now that we're in, uh, in lockdown um, a lot more actual cooking good stuff uh, and just walking I think a lot of people yeah. spend quite a bit of time doing walking and stuff now or maybe you could put exercise as well as walking super duper um, let's just have a little look and see if anybody anybody had any stuff that they were coming up with nothing's appeared yet so we'll, we'll keep moving so that I don't go on too long uh, so if you are willing to stick with me because uh, obviously we're going to generalize a bit and this is kind of like a slightly youth heavy list um, like for instance some of you might spend hours of your day painting or heaven forbid running like Gary does uh, whereas mine is more more like and certainly during half term is more like just eating some snacks uh, and watching some, uh, some TV series at the moment we just finished series one of Mindhunter um, but nevertheless so what we're going to try and do now is turn those into a pie chart so if you can flip that over sir and there's a pie awesome look at this going great um, so I've already taken out a chunk which is about a third which we're going to put for sleeping because assuming you spend eight hours a night sleeping that's about a third so get some Z's in there fantastic and if you could just uh, yeah fill in the rest of stuff uh, there what else have we got uh, we should probably put another third what do you reckon how long do you spend at work and school about another third of your time yeah, yeah. probably about six seven hours a day oh. Oh, torture, right? Torture. There we go. That's not, not even a bad third. Yeah, that's pretty good. Go ahead. So slice that one up with, uh, with some... Which one are you going for? Top or bottom? Um, I'll go top for work and school. <laughs> good stuff. Work and school. Right, they're probably the two biggest chunks, aren't they? The work and the sleep chunk. So let's slice up the other one into, into some, some bits and pieces. What have we got? Netflix and TV. How big a slice are we going for that one? Mm, I'm going... Probably about that much. Probably about that much. I don't yeah. know how many hours that is. Someone can get, get matty with <laughs> me and write that. Do you want to put like a, a big N in there for Netflix or something? There we go. Nice and nice. 
Now, obviously, if it, was a, if it was a Noah chart, the PlayStation one would be all of what's left on the pie. Yeah. But we're we're kind of trying to be a bit general, so like, trying to whack a maybe a PlayStation or a eating and church stuff. Yes. Trying to find some places for those ones. Um, nicey, nice, fantastic. Oh, very good. Uh, apparently, uh, Andy uh, Andy Taylor is doing a lot of puzzles. Does that mean do you mean like Sudoku puzzles or like actual puzzles? Hannah enjoys a. Uh, a a proper thousand piece puzzle. Oh, that's a good chunk on eating there, Sarah, and I like that. Yeah. Lots of lots of snacks going on in the eating section. Very good. We've got scrolling. scrolling uh, we've got some church. church time as well. How much time do we spend at church? Oh, yeah, we well, got an hour and, and a bit of, on a Sunday, and then. Well, so like the UT stuff nights. would come into that, and the prayer nights. Yeah, so we, you can spend a few hours into that. There we go, a little church yeah. slice. Oh, so we've got two more slices. What should we stick in those slices? Ooh, we've got exercise. Oh, exercise. That's the thinner one for me. <laughs> it might be the thicker one for somebody else, but it's the thinner one for me. Good stuff. Uh, one. one more slice. What should, we, what should we put in there? The scrolling mages. Got that one already. Oh, got a bit of scrolling. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't spend that long. Maybe I do. I don't know. I mean, you could just you could just put misc if you like, just miscellaneous other activities. Let's put other. <laughs> other. There we go. Flexible time. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much for your help, Saren. That's all uh, right. There is our little pie chart for everybody to see what we do all the time. So, what I'm trying to get to is when we draw it up nicely like this, uh, it's pretty clear to see that in our busy lives um, that the majority of our focus, our time and our effort is not going into specifically God-related or God-focused activities. Uh, can you whack the, uh, the, um, the pie chart back up for us, James? So um, you can, well, you, maybe you can see the, uh, the one right next to sleep, that little thin one there, we've allocated that one to church uh, and we've got all these other things are taking up loads of chunks of our time. Uh, so it, yeah, and I don't think it's, it's too unfair to say. Now, obviously, some people are going to be sliced slightly differently and you're going to allocate your time slightly differently. But I think we can we get the picture here that actually our God-focused time isn't, is definitely in the minority uh, of our time that we spend. Uh, so during their time in the desert, the Israelites were learning to become wholly dependent on God and God's provision rather than falling into the trap, which I think some of us do, of confining God to just a slice of their time. And if we end up falling into that same trap of giving God just a slice of our time rather than seeking to honour him in all of our time, then perhaps it's no wonder we don't see uh, God in action more often. If we're only looking through like a little tiny portion uh, of our time and like, a, like if you flip metaphors now and said that that was like a, um, something you could look through but you're only actually able to see through this tiny section, it's no wonder we're not seeing the big picture and perhaps God is doing loads of stuff or providing for loads of people but we're just kind of missing it because we're not actually giving him uh, much of an opportunity in our own lives. Now, of course, I am not trying to bash us for being bad Christians. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you that you should stop scrolling on your phone all the time, Sarah, and Noah, you know, get off that flipping PlayStation. Although I'm sure uh, <laughs> your parents might want you off of there so you can, you know, tidy your room or something. Um, but I'm not trying to tell us that we're bad Christians and that everything we're supposed to do is supposed to be God-focused and it has to be a God thing. Um, I know full well that sometimes you just need to die on the sofa with your feet up. Um, but I also know that a lot of times in my life where I've been disappointed that I'm not seeing God move or I've not had an answer to prayer or something, uh, that when, I'm added, when I add it up and look at it like we do on this pie chart, that actually 
I'm kind of, I'm not really looking that hard and I'm expecting God to provide on my terms. And I think we can definitely see from the Israelite story, especially where they were taking up extra that they didn't need, that they were really trying to provide on their terms. And so when I fall into the trap and only give God a slice of my time pie, as it were, uh, I'm only ever able to see a small slice of what he's doing and I end up missing the bigger picture. So I think we have a double challenge here uh, that we can try and work through. Uh, One, are we missing what God is doing because we only allocate a small slice of time uh, to looking for God and to to seeking him and to to getting to know him? Uh, And number two, are we too comfortable and is that in the way of us seeking him first for provision? So if we believe that God's plan for us is that we would know him closely uh, and to grow to be more like him, then we need to learn the same lesson as the Israelites. We need to put him at the centre and rely on him first. And just a a quick trip uh, down Sunday school memory lane uh, provides us with loads of examples of God's people who managed to uh, do this. They managed to put God uh, at the centre and they saw amazing things despite being kind of like we are in, in this sort of uncomfortable lockdown time, despite being in uncomfortable places or far from home, uh, we get plenty of examples in the Bible of people who were able to keep God at the centre and saw stuff. For example, we've got Esther, who risked death but averted the destruction of her people. Daniel was faithful in prayer and was saved from the lion's den. Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, they were safe in the flaming furnace after refusing to bow down to a false god. Joseph was obviously constantly knocked down, uh, but in staying close to God, he saved his whole family from starvation. And Paul in the New Testament, he was locked up, he got shipwrecked, yet constantly he kept God at the centre and was helping those around him to do the same. The tools these guys use to keep God at the centre are still the same ones that apply to us today. And they are things like learning about him through reading the Bible, speaking to him through prayer, practice being still uh, and listening to what he has to say. I mean, sometimes it can be a bit bit of a one-way conversation where we're just kind of reeling off a list or just talking at God rather than listening. Sharing with other people when he does give us something, when he talks to us back, we should share it with people. Uh, And of course, acting uh, when the Holy Spirit prompts us rather than ignoring the prompt. And that's something I've been working on really hard is actually not kind of shoving stuff to the side and going, nah, maybe it's not God, but trying to step out a bit more. And I think this might be from God for you, or God might want me to do this. And in doing that, I'm, I'm starting to notice the prompt more often. Now, and I know what you're thinking here, it's the same old list, pray more, read the Bible more, etc., etc. But, and maybe it is, but it doesn't stop there. If we're trying to move away from giving God just like a small slice of our time and saying that we're offering some time and that's, that's enough, if we're trying to move away from that uh, and towards putting him first uh, in all of the slices of our time, then when I say we need to be reading the Bible, It's not just so that we're ticking the box of saying we've read the Bible. It's so that we can find out what the Bible teaches about relationships, about honouring your boss, about being a good parent. And it goes on. It's about praying to see work situations that we're in with godly eyes and taking opportunities when we're there to pray for people. The guys that we're shoulder to shoulder with in our everyday run-the-mill activities. And it might sound daunting, but perhaps the test of a Christian and the test of whether we're God-centred or not is do people know we're a Christian or do people see that we're a Christian? Uh, And there's a couple of uh, sort of quite powerful verses uh, that that really tie into this. Uh, In John 13, 35 tells us, 
that the world will know we're Christian through the love we have for one another. And James brings the challenge in 2.18, uh, asking us, how can we show our faith without there being a, an active outworking of that? If each of us were to take small steps uh, to towards putting into practice what we read about in the Bible and placing God first in all aspects of our time, I'm sure that we'd see a world that was desperately in need of provision and encouragement. But I'm also sure that we'd see opportunities for us to be the encouragement and the provision there. I'm sure that God would use us like manna in people's lives. Uh, and I'm sure that the next time we, we came to share testimonies and encouragements, we'd end up hearing so many stories of how God di did this for somebody, healed this person, or provided for this family. Uh, so what I'd like to try and uh, wrap up and, and challenge us with it is going, like the Israelites, are we too focused on being like self-sufficient? Are we, are we allocating God a little bit of time and going, that's, that's enough, that's okay. Um, God's in these bits. But then finally that actually we don't see as much of him as we want to. And we read about a God who's really active and alive, yet we're not seeing too much of it. Is that because perhaps we're too, we're too busy or, or we're too comfortable? Uh, so I'd really like us to, to try and take some, take some time to think over this next week, you know, what approach have we got to it? Are we saying that this is enough, this is my God time and this is my me time? Or are we kind of going, God, how do you want to use all of this? Or, or how could you use all of this? And I'm not saying that, that he will, but I think if we're open to the, to the possibility and to give it to God, then who knows what we could, we could end up doing. So I'd like to close with a couple of questions for us to think about. Um, so obviously, do we try and offer God just a slice of our time or is he at the centre of each slice? And I'm sorry for so much of the, the slice metaphor here. Um, but what small change could you make towards centering on him? And could someone help you with that? I know for, for me, doing stuff in groups or together is so important. So think, I don't know, could you... Uh, regularly pray with somebody to, to increase the way that you're listening to God and speaking to God? Uh, could you set intentional catch-ups of people or setting group challenges together? Um, like, you know, I want, to, I want to see more of God, so can, we, can you keep me accountable in this? Uh, and then lastly, what places or people has God put in your life that you could be like manna to through encouragement, prayer, or even practical giving? Um, and I'll just close by saying, for me, uh, something that I've lost without having a daily commute uh, where I can pray or worship um, is time to be still and to hear from God. Uh, so to improve in this, I'm going to try and work hard on spending more time praying, but crucially being still and waiting to hear back from him uh, because I know that God wants to speak and it to be a, a, a two-way thing. Um, so that's what I'm going to try and work on. And uh, you guys can feel free to you know, harass me in youth and make sure that I've, I've actually been, been sticking to it. But um, though that is my challenge for us today. Uh, so thank you for listening and bearing with me.